You are listening to the Thinking Effect podcast with Osho Green and Lillian Kriegler. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 30 of the Thinking Effect. And this episode is all about teachers and influencers. I have a lot more to say about this episode, but before we jump into it, let's say hello to Lillian. Hello, Lillian. Hey, Ortel. I love what you're wearing today. For those who are only listening, Ortel has got a beanie, a penguin beanie on her head, and she looks quite remarkable. (laughs) Reminds me a little bit of the movie Happy Feet. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Yeah, I forgot to mention we're celebrating. It's uh, our 30 episode, and this is why I'm wearing my lovely beanie. It's cold in Melbourne as well. And Lillian is wearing a beautiful necklace. Can you tell us a bit about it? Yeah, sure. So my, I'm wearing an African necklace. I mean, probably people have worked out from my accent by now that I hail from South Africa originally, but I've been in Melbourne for 24 years. But so this African necklace for me, just, you know, in the African community, elders are highly, highly respected and they are great influencers. So in a sense, I'm wearing my influential um, necklace today and representing my role, hopefully as an elder in society today (laughs) and celebrating our wonderful 30th, can you believe it, Ortel, 30 episodes now. I know, it's amazing. And we have something very exciting to share with you because today we actually start our new season, season number two, which is all about empowering teachers and help them become super influencer. I I know some some teachers probably are not aware of how influential they are and the power they have uh, to impact our society and our communities. And and we want to say that to all the teachers around the globe that you have more power than you think. You have more autonomy uh, as to how you teach in your classroom than you might believe. And you know, even though our education system have so many constraints and we are aware of these many constraints, I mean, there are many policies to adhere to, you have to follow a particular curriculum, you have to uh, follow the standardized testing, there's so much teachers have to to do, so many constraints, but even within this constraint, teachers still have a lot of autonomy in terms of how they can facilitate their teaching and what kind of environment they can create in their classroom. I know you're so right in all of what you've just said, Ortel. And we've spoken regularly about, you know, how educators can really even create a culture in their classroom. We don't have to inherit default cultures. We have the ability to decide what the relationships are that we are going to create in our classrooms. And a lot about being a teacher is is developing the kind of relationships that will enable your students to, to get this incredible identity as a learner. And we can do it no matter how old those students are from from early, even in childcare, all the way through to tertiary education, we have this ability to establish a culture and the norms and protocols we want to have in our classroom. And you talk about constraints. You know, I've just picked up this phenomenal book called A Beautiful Constraint by Adam Morgan and Mark Barden. And they talk about how some of the most incredible things have happened in the world because of constraints. Some of the most remarkable entrepreneurs 
have invented things, been innovative, created things just because they were constrained in either time or money or space. Even Mick Jagger's fantastic dancing was originated because he had a very tiny space to perform when they started out, sometimes only the space of a table. So embrace your constraints is what we're saying and develop your phenomenal influence as an educator. Absolutely. And I love this book. I have it actually at home. <laughs> it's one of my favorite books. Uh, because it's all about, you know, innovative and creative thinking and actually having constraints help you be more innovative in your thinking, which is a beautiful thing. And I think it's important to empower teachers, especially today, because I'm sure many are aware that our education system is outdated. You know, it was designed by Horace Mann back in um, 1880 something, I think, um, after the first industrial revolution to to uh, create factory workers that are obedient and adhere to the bell. This is actually why we have bell in our schools, <laughs> even today, because at the factories, the bell signified the need to change from one task to another. And so they wanted children to get used to hearing the bell and changing what they're doing. And so that system might have been good for back then, but it certainly doesn't fit and doesn't suit for today's need. As we all were very well aware, the world has changed so, so much since then. And the job um, market has changed. And the skills that children need today to thrive are so different. And so it is up to us to create that learning environment that helps children thrive within the 21st century. And this is where teachers can actually create that change. They can teach differently without waiting for politician or bureaucrats to change things from the top down, because we can't afford to wait. Our children need a different learning environment today. And, and we are here to support you on this journey. We absolutely are. And, you know, we want to move away. There's so many uh, education has been seen as a mold, creating a mold, um, the sausage machine, the brick in the wall, and that, you know, there's been this uh, movement against that factory model for a long time, but it's very, very difficult to shift because every single child, other than the ones who are being homeschooled, and we respect those parents equally, and they then have to be the great influencers, but everyone is going to school. So a lot of the time, it's about control, controlling where they are, when they are there, what they're doing, what they are learning. But we want to think about a completely different way of offering the curriculum, of being more inventive, because you know, we are wanting our students to embrace things like creativity and critical thinking and no brick in a wall is going to have creative and critical thinking. So we want to be um, supportive of you to, and I know there are thousands of teachers out there already working in this way and hopefully in this season we are going to be interviewing some of the teachers who have embraced the constraints but uh, managed to provide beautiful um, education for their students. So we want to help you with that because these are the modern 
requirements of the modern society. We can't have children who think in a pattern or in a particular way. We want our um, students to grow so that they can encounter uncertainty with some certainty of their skills, their abilities, and their own innovative um, pathways. Absolutely. And there's something I want to say about this change because, you know, for, for so many years, the mindset was of uh, a teacher as someone who passed on knowledge, right? Who needs to fill the student's brain with information as someone that stands there in front of the classroom and knows everything there is to know and holds all the answers. And the shift that needs to happen now is from being a teacher to being a facilitator of learning. So from being the one who drives the whole thing, who holds all the knowledge, who pass on the knowledge, the teachers now need to facilitate the learning and to help the student actually drive their own learning. And there are many ways in which you can do so. And we're going to share with you in this episode um, one way that you can adopt straight away. But that shift in mindset, in my mind, that's the hardest thing to do if you're used to being a teacher and passing on knowledge. So it's not an easy transformation, but we are here to support you on, on this uh, transition. So, yes, we are, we are. And we know that sometimes when you start out a new way of being, it isn't an easy pathway. And, you know, Otto and I have both had pathways ourselves. And I remember when I was teaching um, early on, a teacher arrived at my school and she had 54 boxes and every box represented a week of lessons that she would be providing for her students that year. And I was rabidly jealous. I was so jealous. I thought she is so far in advance of where I am. I need to have a box for every week. <laughs> and I have changed so much. You know, part of it is, is exploring like you are, our listeners, exploring, finding out new ways of doing things. And you've heard me talk about my influences. So it is a journey and you will have your aha moments and you do build your expertise over time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, your example is great because we need as teachers, we need to let go of that need to control everything and know what what's going to happen next and and open our our mind and, and, and open the environment in our classroom to ones where we don't know what's going to happen next. It's going to be a surprise for us as well. We start in a journey now. And we don't know where that's going to lead us. And that's fine because we're learning along the way. We're learning together with our students. So we're not teaching them anymore. We're learning with them as we progress. And personally, I find it um, much more engaging and fun to teach in this manner because you don't know what's going to happen. So you're not repeating the same thing over and over again and doing the same thing in the classroom, which for me will be boring. Every time it's a new adventure, it's a new experience because your students are different. They have a different thing that they're curious about. So they drive in the learning in, in different direction. And one example that we wanted to discuss is for example, if within your curriculum, you need to teach your children, your students about urban design, 
then instead of coming up with a, you know, a set plan, this is what you're going to do, you can start that journey by uh, going on excursion in your town, in a park nearby, if you can. If not, then you can maybe start by watching a video that shows an environment. But the whole idea is to take your, your students to that environment and let them observe what's going on. Let them explore and let, let them record. What are they seeing? What question do they have on what they see? And also guide them in terms of looking at the environment from different perspectives. So what do you think about this environment or how do you feel within the environment as a child? How would a disabled person feel? Um, how would a parent with a pram feel? What will, would their challenges be or their needs? So help your students look and observe the environment from different perspectives and, and write down uh, what they think, what question they have, what they're curious to learn more about in this excursion. And then from there on, you can take their curiosity, the question they have, the things they want to explore further and let them lead the learning about urban design from that place of curiosity, from what they want to understand and learn about. And different groups or different students can explore different things related to urban design and urban planning, and then share it with, with the classroom, share it with the, uh, with the other students. So they will be teaching others um, things regarding to urban design. This is such a beautiful example, Ortel. And what I want to say about, uh, you know, you, you need in your own mind to frame why you would take a bunch of students out of your classroom to some space, <clears throat> just, excuse me, some space um, in the city to get them a taste of urban design. And part of that framing for me is that you don't want to immediately categorize all the different aspects of urban design. But, at the, at, but you want to put them in a situation where all of those different elements are available for them to observe and to talk about and to capture and to think about. And I had an excursion like this actually with teachers where we went to the Flagstaff Gardens in the city in West Melbourne near the Flagstaff Station. And like you are suggesting with the students, they had... Um, a notebook and they had some tasks that they had to go through and one of those tasks was to have a look at things from the perspective of a child from the perspective of the animals living in the park but when they went through the park they started to notice that there is nature there nature needs to be cared for so you need maintenance so you need engineers um, to design the situation so that the water drains, that there's entertainment for people using the park. And, you know, there were statues in the park which represented the history and the culture. And Flagstaff Gardens itself is actually over um, a First Nations cemetery. So there's so much history. There's layers and layers of it. And it's called Flagstaff Gardens because you could see who was coming into the port 
and they could put up a flag to say whether, like, and this is very dear to us at the moment, whether there was illness on that boat and whether people should come out or not. You know, they didn't want to bring a pandemic into Melbourne. So the educators, like your students would, get all of this information, and then they are able to categorize the very different aspects. And what kind of training would this person need? The one who's putting the tar roads through there, you know, what does it mean to plan an urban environment? And from this excursion, you can see how broadly and in how many directions it can go. So you're not planning a single lesson. You are planning a unit of inquiry, a unit of, um, some people call it project work. Some people call it units of inquiry, depending on where you come from. But really, you want the children to be curious and to capture information for themselves. Absolutely. And this is a great example. And when you teach in this manner, your students become active learners. So they not just sitting there absorbing information, they actively seeking, looking, exploring and learning. And, and so they're more engaged in the learning and the, the learning itself is much deeper, much richer, much more authentic than it would have been if you just give them the information on it. So I think it, it's wonderful for the teacher and the students as well to work in this manner because it makes it so much more interesting and engaging um, for, for both. That's right. And the teacher reflects the student and the student reflects the teacher. So you've described a student who's active, who has agency genuine we talk about it all the time in education that they have agency that they're able to use their voice and when I say voice I mean expression and this could be verbal but it could also this kind of work will allow students to use their voice in different ways they will be able to draw they will be able to paint they will be able to create music they will be able to represent their understanding in so many different ways so it expands their voice and it gives it multi-dimensions they will be incredible thinkers because they will exercise so many thinking skills and they're going to become fantastic communicators because they have to share and articulate everything they've learned so that they can design the process for how they're going to find out more and they're going to decide what they want to find out more about And honestly, there are going to be quite a few urban um, departments in Melbourne that are going to get letters after this because (laughs) students will see that there are things missing. You know, when I looked at this from the perspective of a disabled person, I realized that it's very difficult for a child in a wheelchair to get to the play park, et cetera. So watch out, Melbourne, or watch (laughs) out, world they coming at you (laughs) absolutely and um you can use this project as as an opportunity to empower your student to drive change you can work with the local council and beforehand agree with them that the children are going to explore particular areas and they're going to present to the council um what they've what they saw their observation and their insight and their ideas, their suggestions for improvement. So that can be part of the project and that can include, you know, visit to the uh, council town hall and meeting members of the council and speaking as as students in front of the council and presenting their ideas uh, for improvement. So definitely you can use that 
you can take it as deep and far as you want as a teacher, and you can use it to empower your teacher, your students to drive change within their communities. And this happened at a school where I worked. You know, we had some students, um, teenage uh, age students, who were reluctant learners. They were school averse, didn't want to come. But the educators designed a project where they could choose something that they wanted to explore. And these guys did parkour, which is this um, city running, you know, and they honestly, they the physical ability and acrobatic ability was incredible. But through their interest, they learned so much about biomechanics, their own bodies, and they taught young students at the school how to do this. And they worked with the principal to get a land, a soft fall area, but that went to the council. And they presented such a strong case for parkour and urban running that the council spent seven figures to create a beautiful area where young people could go and get, get involved in this new sport. So it can be a phenomenal thing when your students take control of their own learning. Absolutely. And this is an amazing story. I just love to hear such stories. <laughs> Yeah. Should we summarize? Yes. Who's going to do it today? <laughs> uh, I can summarize. So oh, you go. <laughs> okay. So this um, episode and actually this season is all about empowering teacher to do things differently, to create innovative learning environment, to provide the students with the learning environment that suit the needs of the 21st century. And why it's important because we all, I think most of us are aware that our education system is outdated dated, and not servicing our children. And even though we have a lot of constraints such as curriculum to follow, policies to adhere to, standardized testing to follow, still for each and every teacher, they still have a lot of autonomy and a lot of power to decide how they teach within the classroom. So they can teach the same curriculum in a different way that help their students develop these wonderful 21st century skills and empower them to be active participants in our communities. And how you start with that? So we spoke about the shift in mindset, which is the first step that you need to work on. Uh, the shift from being a teacher to being a facilitator of learning, from having control and controlling everything that's happening in the classroom to learning alongside your students to taking that journey with them. And we spoke about one example related to urban design where, where you can um, provide your student with voice agency and empower them also to drive change within their councils. So from here on, there is uh, a lot of more exciting episodes are coming along as, and as Lilian mentioned, we're gonna interview different teachers who are actually doing things differently who are actually, actually, in a way, breaking the status quo and within the constraint of the system they operate in, they manage to do things completely differently in the classroom. Yes, and if you're one of those teachers, put up your hand because we'd love to interview you. And, you know, don't try and do this alone because it's not always easy and simple. So find someone in your school 
that you can talk to and work with because you know two heads together is often better than one and and when you get a bit discouraged you can you can help each other to become these remarkable education facilitators um that was a lovely summary thank you very much <laughs> oh thank you and yeah please write to us to the thinking effect podcast at gmail.com we would love to hear from all of you and especially if you want to be a guest on an episode to share your story on how you teach differently on how you create an innovative learning environment in your classroom please get in touch yes and we'll see you next time see you then